Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. As I was putting him into bed, I was tickling him and we were being, playing silly games and we were being silly and he turned to look at the wall and then turned back to me with this such seriousness on his face and he said to me, remember when I was a baby in your tummy and I died? You're listening to The Ghost Files, the podcast where everyday people share their extraordinary experiences of the spirit world. I'm your host, Karina Machado. I'm a journalist and author who's been sharing real-life stories of ghostly experiences since 2009. On this show, you'll hear all about hauntings, apparitions, visitations from late loved ones, and many other life-altering spiritual experiences. What can an encounter with the dead teach us about living? You'll find out on The Ghost Files. Today, my guest is Tani, a mum and nurse from rural New South Wales, who's going to tell us a story that proved to her that life, indeed that love, goes on, even in the wake of deepest grief. After the tragedy of her daughter Ava's stillbirth, Tani found solace in a series of inexplicable events and beautiful signs all of which culminated in a profound realisation later on, following the birth of Ava's brother. Before we start, please know that if you find any part of today's episode distressing, please contact SANS, an organisation who offers support for anyone dealing with miscarriage, stillbirth and newborn death. That's SANS, S-A-N-D-S. Their 24-hour helpline is 1300 072 637. Now... Settle in for my life-affirming conversation with Tani. So before we launch into your story, please just share a little bit about who you are and where you're at in your life today. Okay, so I am 32. I am a mother of two little boys who are six and five, and I live in rural New South Wales. And I'm an anaesthetic nurse and I work at the local um, referral hospital. Okay. And one of the other things that you said to me early on when we met uh, over the phone was that you, and I found this very intriguing, was that your whole life you've had an awareness of a power that you have. And you use that, Mm. that word power, which I found really interesting, and that your sister and your dad also share this awareness of this power within themselves. Tell us a little bit about that and the role that it's played in your life. Yeah, so I don't really know what else to call it other than a power. I don't like I know a lot of people call it a gift or whatever. But yeah, I it's not something I've really ever like I said to you before, like I've never really looked into it or, you know, tried to harness this power. But um definitely over the years my dad and my sister and I have all shared stories of strange things that have happened to us over the years. Even back when my dad was little, he had a strange occurrence happen where he was on a bed and then all of a sudden he was on the floor and, th- you know, odd things like that. Um, I've seen um, what I like to call ghosts at the hospital on a couple of different occasions. And, um, yeah, my sisters also had strange things and had dreams and um, that were 
very real, like quite similar to mine and woken up with scratches on herself and, and all sorts of things. So, yeah, I think there's something definitely going on within my family, but none of us are kind of um, so inclined to really do much more about it other than to say, okay, yeah, probably we have a power, but, you know, and just accept it and, and move on really. <laughs> mm. And do you think that this is something that, most people or indeed everybody has but only some people are aware of it yeah absolutely um my husband's a great example he doesn't believe in any of this stuff at all um but it wasn't until last year actually out of nowhere he came to me as white as a ghost saying he's just seen someone in our house and um, we ended up nicknaming this thing old mate but I said to him, see, I told you it's real. <laughs> and I definitely think we all have it. It's just whether or not you want to kind of accept it and believe it or not. Before we get into the crux of your story, could you tell us quickly, because I think the audience will get cranky if I don't ask you, about the book <laughs> you saw. <laughs> so I had two. So I'll just tell you about one of them in particular, which was recently. Um, I'm walking into work and where the hallway that I walk down is next to the morgue. And um, as I opened the double doors, I was actually sending a Snapchat of myself and I put my phone in my bag. And when I looked up down the end of the corridor, which is an empty um, staff only corridor, I saw a line of those seats that we used to have in the old hospitals that are all connected. And a man sitting on one of the seats, he wasn't facing me, I could see him side on and he looked to be reading a newspaper. And I remember thinking in my mind, oh, that's a strange that's very odd. He shouldn't be there. But then I, you know, went upstairs and got changed and went to work. But it wasn't until a little bit later in my shift, I went, oh my gosh, those chairs and that man don't exist in that corridor. That that wasn't real. So it was when I finished my shift, I went down and sure enough, none of it was there. Mm. That is extraordinary. And was he wearing kind of older style clothing? He definitely was wearing older clothing. Like, um, you know, I can't tell you exactly, but yeah, he looked to be very well dressed, but definitely older style clothes for sure. Okay. And did you get a sense of who he was? Not really, because it wasn't something that at the time I was thinking, oh, this is a ghost. It was just like, this is such an odd thing. This this isn't this isn't sort of something I should be seeing in this corridor. But I do think now upon like when I've reflected that maybe it, it almost in my head now it's like a scene what you would have seen in the olden days when men weren't allowed into the delivery room and he was waiting outside waiting for his baby to be born or you know waiting in the waiting room for his wife or something to that effect okay and um, sorry when did you say that happened oh uh, it would have been just last year actually when I was just going into work okay yes it's almost like you got a little glimpse into the past yeah absolutely I don't think I saw something um, that was sort of unfolding. It was like it was a snapshot into something from before, yeah. Now let's move on to your story. So you were 24 years old, Tani, pregnant with your first child. Please take us back to this time in your life, which I can imagine was so full of promise and excitement. Absolutely, and it, and it was. So, um, yeah, like we fell pregnant very easily. Um, I had a, you know, relatively easy pregnancy with all the you know morning sickness and things that, that most people get but um everything was going normal baby was looking great and then we had gotten to the end we're full term and we'd set up you know the room and we had the car seat in the car just like all the baby books tell you to do and um then yeah around the 39 week mark I went into 
the doctors and he said to me you know the heartbeat was there and everything was great and he said oh next time I see you you'll have your baby with you in your arms and I was all excited and ready to have this baby and become a mum and then over the next few days um, I noticed some decreased movements and I had called the hospital a number of times and said look I just feel like something's not right I, I just feel like the baby's not moving as much but you know was told you know they, they slow down before birth and you're probably just going into labour and all of these incorrect statements that I now know are incorrect. But um, anyway, I went in to have an appointment. Finally, they said, you know, come in. And when I got there, they they told me that the baby had no heartbeat. And I was at that stage, I was 40 weeks and two days. So I was overdue. Right. At around this time, Tani, you had a very emotional dream as well. Yeah, absolutely. So this was prior to me knowing that the baby had passed, but it was during the stage where I was starting to feel some decreased movements. And I was asleep, obviously, and I had this really vivid dream. Even now thinking about it, it's like it's happening to me now. So I get a phone call in my dream and when I answer it, it's my grandfather. And my grandfather at the time, he had passed away many years before and, um, yeah, he was he rang me in the dream and I said, Granddad, how are you ringing me? You're dead. And he said to me, Tani, is everything okay? And I, was, I remember this feeling of being so confused and I was saying, Granddad, how are you ringing me? You're dead. This this isn't happening. Like, what's what's happening, Granddad? Why are you ringing me? And he kept just saying to me over and over again in this really um, urgent tone, "Tani, is everything okay? Is everything okay?" And this this back and forth between me and him, only saying those two sentences really to each other, and um, and yeah, it felt so real. It was it was it was awful. It was such an emotional dream. Yeah, it's so amazing because the implications of that dream are astounding, and those implications mm. are the loved ones that we've lost are still around and still interested in our lives and caring about what's happening in our lives and wanting to communicate their presence and their support and indeed a kind of warning in this instance. Yeah, absolutely. And I wish now in hindsight I had of maybe listened instead of feeling so confused yeah, well, it, but, you know, you you obviously it was such a, an emotional dream, as you yeah. say, and, and also the fact that we're conditioned, we're brought up to believe that these things are merely dreams, you know. and um, Yeah, yeah, that's right. When, when clearly, in retrospect, we, we can understand that they, they were more, you know. Yeah, and for sure. You, had you ever had a dream of that kind of emotional calibre or that kind of vivid quality before? Not that I can really recall, if I'm being honest. Like, not not that I've I have had other dreams that have like come true, so to speak, like about other things, but nothing like that. Mm. Just the urgency of his words—it's just astounding. And yeah. so, how did you feel about this dream when you woke up? Oh, I remember I woke up and my pillow was wet and I was like crying, like that real ugly, like <gasps> kind of cry when I woke up. I was like inconsolable and, and I remember feeling confused when I was waking up going, what in the world has just happened? Like why am I so emotional? It was like my heart was hurting, like I was so, so sad that it had to happen but then still so confused. And that's not the hallmark of a typical dream either, no, is it? No, no. The tears, the sobbing, the ugly crying, as you call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was really ugly crying. 
And another fascinating piece to this, Tani, mm. is that your sister, who was holidaying in Fiji at this exact moment, also had an experience to do with your grandfather. Oh, yeah, yeah. What happened there? Yeah, so this was really, really odd. Um, so, yeah, around the same time my sister was in Fiji and later this all came out after the birth and everything where she said she was in her hotel doing some laundry and she was with her boyfriend at the time and she she got this overwhelming smell of my grandfather's cologne. They, my, Both my grandparents had this really um, smelly wash that they used to wash their clothes in that we always wanted to get in Australia but we never could because they were from England and it's very distinct and it yeah it's only they've ever had it I don't know anyone else that's ever smelled like them and yeah she said she was washing and then it overcame her this smell and she turned to her then boyfriend and said something's happened to someone at home I can smell granddad something really bad is happening that's just chilling Tani and Mm. um I can't. I really can't imagine how you felt when you eventually found that out as well. But um, mm. it sounds like your grandfather was a very special person. So he came to both of you to let you both know that he was there. What kind of bond did you share with him? Look, if I'm being honest, not a particularly profound one. Like we've always lived in Australia. They've always lived in England. They used to come out from memory every two to three years when we were really little, which I don't have much memory of really at all. I remember a couple of times that he came as I was reaching my teen years. But yeah, it wasn't like we, you know, like most, like my husband's grandparents spent every weekend with them, you know, doing this and that and the other. We, we didn't have that. But um, they were like they were really special grandparents to us and it was really exciting when they came out but you know maybe that was just because it was a novelty kind of you know what I mean yeah yeah no I absolutely and the other thing that strikes me is that the fact that you really weren't that present in each other's lives that you lived on country you know lived in separate countries is amazing and actually makes the story even more extraordinary really the the um the appearance of him or his presence moment to both you and your sister yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like even when our we, we call our grandma England, when England used to ring us as kids, he wouldn't even really have much to do with us on the phone. And if he did, he never had much to say. You know, he was that time of that type of old older man, not men of many words. But yeah, I don't know. It was weird. It is it is really special that he did come to us, yeah. It shares it it sort of hints a lot at the bonds of family and the bonds of love and how mm. it stretches far beyond what we can imagine really yeah now um Tani what happened next so essentially yeah they they said you know um, baby has no heartbeat and so I was induced and to give birth and you know that's (laughs) that's a whole other story um but then yeah my sister um she came home from Fiji and her and so my mum it's it's quite blurry for me because of all the grief and whatnot. But I believe my mother at the time was actually in – no, my mum was in, in Toowoomba because we had this baby in Toowoomba. Um, so my mum had already come because I was overdue. So we were waiting – like at this point we didn't know she passed away or was going to for that matter. Um, so my mum was already with me in Toowoomba and my sister came home to Sydney and then her and dad, by this stage, the baby had passed away. So then they drove up from Sydney to Toowoomba to be with us. And when your sister got off the plane, she had 
she said something to your mum. Oh, yeah, she? yeah, absolutely, yeah. So she said to, um, I think it was my dad, as soon as she, she saw them, she said, what's happened? And they're like, what What do you mean? And she said, I, I smelt this smell of granddad and I, I got this feeling and I just know that something's happened. Is, is everything okay? Her instinct, I think, um, was that maybe something had happened to England, our grandma. And then they're like, no, 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 nothing's happened. But then, um, yeah, she said, no, 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 something, something's happened. I know he. this is really it made me feel so strongly. I was crying in the laundry room. And um, then, yeah, they eventually they said, you know, Tani's baby's passed away, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right, right. Mm. And so, Tani, you gave birth to a beautiful little girl called Ava. Yes. Yes, and um, tragically she was stillborn. Did mm. do you have any medical explanation for what happened or anything? No, um, we had all of the testing that we needed to have done to um, see what happened, and we were given no no um, no answers. Unfortunately, yeah. I can't imagine how how that made you feel. How how were you finding mm. the strength to put one foot in front of the other, Tani? Like, I actually don't know. <laughs> like, now, eight years later, it's like it happened to someone else. Um, like, now that I'm a, a mum with my two little boys and I'm busy and I'm working and this and that, it's honestly like it, it was somebody else that went through that because it was just horrendous and I would not wish it on my worst enemy. Of course, and um, I'm very sorry that you had to go through that. Tani, um Please tell us about sort of what came next in the sequence of events. I think that obviously you were in the midst of deepest grief. Mm. A couple of weeks later, something happened. Yeah, so I had had, when she was born, this lady come and take castings of her hands and feet that we could have to keep. So I had got the castings and I was on my way to pick them up and I had gone down into the main street of Toowoomba to grab them. And off the main street where all the shops are, are these little tiny arcades with, with a bunch of tinier shops down down the alleyways sort of thing. So I've gone down there and the lady's not there in the shop. So across directly across from her shop was this um, hippie shop. I don't really know how else to describe them, you know, with crystals and books about tarot and all of those things. So anyway, I go into the hippie shop and um, this man who was working, there was no one else in the shop, it was very small, he comes out from behind the counter straight towards me and he says, excuse me, I have to tell you something, there is a man with you. And I was really not in the frame of mind to hear this because I was going to pick up these hands and feet, which I was just so deeply sad about going to have to that's the only memorabilia I have of this baby anyway so this man coming towards me with his information I sort of went oh yeah okay thanks and he said no no he's behind you on your I think he said left side and he said I think he's your your grandfather he's your father's um your father's dad and I've gone oh okay which you know is triggering my memory of this dream that I've had and that's a bit odd um so yeah anyway he went on to say a bunch of other things which had I had he had someone say this to me now I'd be like oh my god tell me more I need to know everything but at the time I was just too sad I couldn't take it on board but yeah he did say like your grandfather's spirit is with you he's behind you and yeah mm. do you remember any of the other things that he said even though you didn't take them with um, your heart at that point he went on about, oh, what did he say? I kind of almost tried to get rid of them out of my brain because I just thought, oh, this is just nonsense and I tried to ignore it. But he said something about what he was wearing and did he like 
um, did he drink a lot of tea or coffee or something? And, and I said, look, I, I don't know. I think he probably drank tea, but I'm just stereotyping because he's English. Um, <laughs> I don't, but, yeah, he said something about that. And then I don't think I actually told you this because I just, it's to me it's such nonsense, but he pulled out these sticks um, these like metal pole stick things and held them in his hands and walked around me in a circle and made them cross over and then he was saying like that's where he's standing that's where his energy is and this is you know da, da, da. but um yeah like I just think that's just nonsense to me I was like oh righto here we go with the water designer or whatever like <laughs> yeah but um but yeah like that happened so yeah it was it, I, I don't know but the part that the fact that my granddad was there with me I really did honestly believe that because He'd been there with me since before it had happened and I feel like maybe, I don't know, like I always say this to my dad now, I think maybe he'd like come to warn me but then maybe he came to get her and maybe like she's safe with him or something. I don't know. Yes, yes, I'm sure that that could certainly be the case, Tani. And I can imagine how the, you know, this event of this medium coming out of the blue spontaneously saying Mm. this stuff to you, how that would have thrown you in that moment. I mean... Yeah. that would throw anybody at any moment like yeah. be out for a coffee and going into the hippie shop and hearing this and that would be a strange thing to happen but when we put it into context with with the horrendous thing that you've just experienced I can imagine that you would just be all out of sorts you know and yeah. it's amazing that you even remember what you remember of it yeah I think it was one of those things though where you go in your head this is so odd like I'll never, this will always stay in my brain, but parts of it, like I said, I just think, oh my goodness, like, I don't know, I don't even, I didn't know what, I didn't know what to make of it, to be, to be fair at the time. Of course, and I think you took the most important message, which was your granddad, you know, mm. and that a confirmation of what had happened earlier to you and your sister, I guess. Mm. So that was two weeks after when you were picking up the little, um, the little casts, mm. what was the first sign that you had following this event with with your granddad's spirit what was the first sign that you had that Ava might be letting you know she's with you as well yeah this was actually my favorite one of my favorite things so um about six weeks later I was in our study feverishly looking up reasons for stillbirth and how to cope and rah 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 and in her room like in her nursery um we had still left everything um up we hadn't been going into her room but we had bought her this little tiny soft cow toy when I was I think I was around 20 weeks and it was really like we were so excited to give her this soft cow and when you pulled on the cow's tail it played green sleeves is it um yeah so and it, it you know winded back up and then you pull it again and anyway it was really important that she got this cow so it was still in her cot untouched and as I'm feverishly researching all of a sudden I hear the cow playing the song and it stopped me in my tracks and I thought oh my god that's that's the cow so I've gone down into her nursery and as I walk in the cow is playing the song and that cow had not been touched we had barely gone in that room it was just too painful that is a really goosebumpy moment (laughs) Yeah, and also, as you say, the, this thing was a a, a wind up. Did you say or pull the string and it plays? Yeah, pulled the, the the string and then it played. Like the tail moved and then it went and wound up. So you needed a physical motion to yeah. trigger the music playing, and there was nobody there to do that. So yeah, wow. Yeah, I was home alone. There was no one in the house. My husband didn't go in the room. I didn't go in the room. Yeah, I, I cannot explain it, but it was. 
yeah, it, it definitely happened. <laughs> you say it stopped you in your tracks. How did it make you feel? Did it offer some relief because you were in the middle of a, a difficult, you know, you reflection, you were doing internet search and you yeah. were feeling really low, right, at that moment? Yeah, oh, I, yeah, absolutely. I was... I mean, I don't remember doing this, but likely given the history and how I felt in the weeks following her birth was that I probably would have been sitting at my computer sobbing and just in absolute state. So I remember hearing it and sitting, like going, oh, and and sitting up and it like stopped me, like what I was doing. And then, yeah, I remember thinking, oh, my God. And when I went in there, I, as much as it sort of gave me that like goosebumpy feeling, I I remember thinking, oh, my God, she's here with me. She wants me to know that she's okay or that I'm okay. or You know, like there was some sort of feeling of comfort that, okay, this is happening now. Mm, yes. So you took some comfort from mm, that. Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. What do you think was the next thing to happen? I know that five months later when you were moving out, something absolutely amazing happened. <laughs> yeah, so when we had had Ava, we were given by the lovely like volunteers that make all these um, big blankets and things for these babies that are stillborn and like ha- little crocheted hats and this nice little dress and all of these really important you know mementos I guess so when we had come from the hospital I had put inside this beautiful blanket the hat and the dress and all of these things and inside it in the middle of the little parcel that I was collecting of all her clothing that she'd worn was the little card that you put on the um you know the back of the like baby cop thing that they give you with like the baby's name weight height the midwives you know all of that yes so in the center of this parcel was the card and it was wrapped in up in all of the clothing in the blanket. It was really, really precious and really, really important. Anyway, I had that inside a box, inside her room and the top shelf of the cupboard. So I had that. I barely looked at it, but if I did happen to get up the courage to look at all of these things, I would wrap them meticulously. They were never there was not a crease, there was not, like, it was so precious to me. Anyway, so as we're moving, we were going to move all of the belongings that, that we had in her room and we didn't want the removalist to touch any of it. So we put this box into our car the day before the removalist had come so that we knew that it was all safe. And um, when we... When we'd finished doing the room, I said to Paul, let's just have one, this is my husband, one sweep of the room and make sure we haven't missed a single thing. And I remember getting a chair and standing up and looking in the top of the, the top shelf of the cupboard and there was nothing there. Anyway, the house gets packed. We're about to leave. And I say to Paul, I just want to check in, in her room one more time and just make doubly sure that there's nothing there. And when I go in, I just stood on the top and put my arm up and, and ran it along the top shelf because I couldn't see up there. And I felt something. And when I grabbed it and picked it up and pulled it down, it was the little card with her height and weight and midwife's name up the top. Yeah. That's inexplicable, right? I, there is absolutely no way that I would have been careless enough to have left that out like there is no chance in this world that I would have done that I everything even now if you came into my house and found the box that I have it is still wrapped and it is still in the center and it is just those things are so precious to me and I could lose everything else in my house but if I didn't have that box I would cease to exist essentially. Like I know that sounds dramatic, but it's true. So for that card to be there, I cannot explain it. There's no way. And I had previously looked up the top there and it was blank. There was nothing up there. 
Wow, I can just imagine, like, what did your heart do? Did it did did it start pounding? Oh, what did yeah. you do in that moment when you grabbed that little card from up there? Yeah, I remember looking at it and my heart was like racing and I was thinking, like my mind was just going and I'm going, how how has this happened? How has this happened? And I remember calling out, Paul, Paul, oh, my gosh, you come here. You will not believe this. And we both just stared at it in, our, in my hands and I said, oh, we've got to go, we've got to go look at the, the rest of the stuff in the box. And it was still all wrapped meticulously like it hadn't do you know what I mean like there's no way yeah so everything was as it should be except for the absence of the card yes which was in the center yeah exactly wow it's just I just cannot yeah it's just absolutely extraordinary so what did you and Paul make of this what did you think that was did you feel that that was again Ava just letting you know yeah with you yeah absolutely I I after it got over the shock and the like worry of oh my gosh what's happened to all of her things and I need to check it all and I realized everything was still as it should be I really felt like it was her just saying I'm here and I'm I'm coming with you like as we we're moving to Townsville um you know and I, I sometimes like I always say that she we use this term my mum and I that she was like a naughty little pixie mm-hmm. and you know like something to sort of soften the blow and I sometimes think that maybe that was her being a naughty little pixie. <laughs> yes, there's a mischievous quality to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's lovely. So now, Tani, we come to the next part of your story. Mm. And before we get to it, though, and there's this extraordinary kind of postscript to all of this, but before we get to it, I want to just share so that the listeners have context mm. the story of what happened a year before your son was born, you were at a memorial mm. and something quite beautiful happened. Yeah, it was really lovely. So we'd moved to Townsville and we had had contact with, um, I believe it was Sands, um, this stillbirth and neonatal death foundation who do these memorials and walk to remembers for for miscarried and stillborn babies. So we decided that we would go to one. It was the first one we'd ever attended. And I had brought with me a friend of mine whose son was born three weeks before Ava. And she decided she would come with her husband. Anyway, we, at the ceremony, um, you could release a little butterfly and they were given to you in a tiny little box and all these little brown butterflies and at the end everyone let them go. And so that had happened and I was holding on to um, the program for the event and as we are walking away, one of I don't know what they're called, those huge big blue butterflies with the black, um, you know, around the outside of them but they're massive, um, came and landed on top of the program that I was holding. And my friend stopped in her tracks and said, oh, my God, Tani, it's her. It's it's Ava. She's come. And oh. we were all just staring at this butterfly and we were, we were all shocked. And it, I sort of, I, like, I looked at it and took it in and remember feeling like such, I don't know, like love and happiness. And then I remember shaking the program, like, gently and saying, off you go, go on. But instead of it flying off, it came and, like, danced around my face. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really, really profound experience for me. I remember feeling so, I don't know, like, comforted by that little butterfly. And I and I had never previously um, associated her with butterflies or anything or ladybugs or anything like that. But it was really, like, I thought, wow, that's really, really her for some reason. I just believed it, yeah. 
Again, that's amazing that you hadn't made that association and this happened to you. And I think it is like I'm trying to think of the number of times I've seen a bright blue big winged butterfly and it's not very often. I can't even think if I've seen one. I might have seen one. But do you know what I mean? It is quite yeah. rare to see them and I can imagine the beauty of seeing this, you know, vivid blue butterfly. Yeah. And all the little brown ones and it, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it comes to and dancing around your face how beautiful yeah it was it was really beautiful yeah absolutely so then a year around a year later you you were giving birth to Jacob or about to about is that to. right or yeah. yeah about to and then something quite interesting happened that ties that into context as well share please share what happened yeah so 48 hours before I had my um elective cesarean for Jacob due to Ava being stillborn unexplained we decided to go for that route to be safe and I had to go in and have some steroid injections to make sure his lungs were going to be safe for birth anyway um I had the injection came out to my car and just proceeded to have a full-blown panic attack breakdown with fear of I've got to you know 37 weeks and five days and what if what if history repeats I don't know why Ava died and what if it happens again and I was hysterically crying like just just terrified and trembling all over and like real blown panic attack anyway um trying to call my mum to calm me down because I'm like I at some point I'm gonna need to drive I really need to get out of this state and I need to stop being so freaked out but I couldn't get onto her she just wouldn't answer her phone which was very unlike my mum because she was on call for me the whole pregnancy um so anyway as I'm crying and crying and crying I look up at my windscreen and sitting on my um on my windscreen is this huge, big, the same kind of butterfly, but it was yellow. Oh, no, 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 yeah, it was yellow, sitting there on my windshield. And I remember thinking, oh, she's come back again to, like, it's her again. And the only reason she would be here is to tell me that it's going to be okay. And just with that, I just stopped crying, dried up my tears, took a deep breath and just admired this butterfly and was like, it's going to be fine. I know it's going to be okay now. And that's part of the reason that I love sharing these stories because it um, it, it shows us the power of these experiences, you know, to bring us solace in our physical day-to-day lives. You're in the midst of a full-blown panic attack. Yeah. Very little could have comforted you in that moment. One of the things that could have was your mum, but she wasn't available in that moment. Yeah. And so it is extraordinary that this you know, this event of seeing seeing the lovely the lovely butterfly outside your window on your windshield. Mm. It, it was able to calm you down where very little else could have. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it was. It was like, oh, there she is. It's all gonna be fine. And indeed it was, wasn't it? So Jacob Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> lovely. And then 14 months later, you gave birth to another son. That's a that's a small gap. yeah I don't know what happened there (laughs) my two are 18 months apart and it's um yeah that's a I thought that was a close gap (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a bit crazy so when little Nate was born your your third child your second Mm. son something very amazing happened and it's kind of a deepening of of the mystery now you'll tell us about this but first Mm. of all how did you feel when Nate was born 
um, oh, yeah. oh, like I'm literally like lost for words. I, I don't know. It is, I don't know if all mums have this. I don't know if this is how you feel when you haven't had a stillborn, but when you have a baby after having had a stillborn, it's honestly like so cliche to say, but it's like the colour just comes back into your life. It's like nothing you can ever, ever describe or understand. It's, I don't know, out of this world. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it's literally amazing. But, yeah, having Nate was a little bit different to having Jake because um, when I had fallen pregnant with um, Nate, I had this, from the very beginning, this sense that, this sense that he was her. And I, I couldn't describe it and I said it till I was, you know, um, I don't know, I felt like I was going crazy at one point towards the end. I was like, this baby, I, I know it's a boy and I know that it's not her, but it is her. I can't describe it. But, yeah, it was like the strangest thing. And when he came out, he was like identical to her. Like I have photos of them and if you put them side by side, if it wasn't for the blue hat and the pink hat, you wouldn't know that they weren't the same child. Oh, wow. That is amazing. And the other interesting aspect is that this is happening with with your second son, mm. not with your first either. So, you yeah. know, I find that interesting too. So if anybody wants to think, oh, you know, wishful thinking or whatnot, well, yeah. that would have happened the first, with the first boy. Yeah, yeah, that's what I always think. If it was going to be um, like that, exactly like wishful thinking, it would have definitely been with Jake. But no, Jacob is 100% his own person. <laughs> Now, um, there there is something very beautiful that you said to Ava, you know, as she passed away. Mm. Could you share that with us now? Because it's relevant to how you feel now about Nate mm. at his birth. Yeah, so when we had her, just before the midwives came to take her away from us, I, um, you know, leant down to the, her little cot and gave her a kiss and I said, please come back to me. I don't care and I don't care how you come back to me, but please come back. Don't ever leave me. I need you to come back to me. Mm. That's very moving. And w did you think of those words as you were looking at Nate and thinking how strikingly similar he was to his sister? Yeah, so when they actually gave me Nate and I was, I mean, I was still, like I had him on my chest when I was still getting sewn up for the Caesar and I just remember this this strange sensation of, oh, my God, she's come back. Like, yeah, it was so profound. I just, even thinking about it now and trying to explain it to you, it's the strange, like you have love. I have obviously love for my other son, but it was like a, it's different. The feeling of my son is odd. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can understand that these things are really difficult to express because we don't yeah. really have language for yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and certainly as Nate grew and he grew into a toddler, yeah. what happened? Did you have further reason to think about this connection and, and this possibility that Ava is somehow back in Nate? Yeah, so I hadn't said anything to my mum about it when um, he was born. I just had this this overwhelming sense that it was her, um, you know, and just decided to never share that. And subsequently my mum, who, who, because we've now obviously spoken about it a lot, but my mum had the same exact thought when she laid eyes on him that it, it was indeed her comeback. And, um, yeah, we've since spoken about it, but I remember actually going to my mum when he was probably a couple of weeks old and saying, mum, 
I don't know how to tell you this without sounding crazy, but I actually think he is her. And she went, oh, my God, I didn't want to upset you, but I, I feel it. I know. And all of this kind of becomes stranger and, and more beautifully mysterious given what he went on to say to you when he was three years old. Yeah, this was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so we it was just a normal night in our household when we had dinner and we're running around. I think we were playing chases and whatnot. So we um, running around, da, 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 put the kids into bed. And as I was putting him into bed, I was tickling him and we we're being playing silly games and we we're being silly. And he turned to look at the wall and then turned back to me with this such seriousness on his face. And he said to me, remember when I was a baby in your tummy and I died? And I said, what? No, you never. And he goes, yeah, mum, remember when I was in your tummy and I died? And I said, no, you didn't, Nate. You, you died. You wouldn't be here. And he goes, yeah, yeah, remember? I died in your tummy and then you put me in a box and you walked away. And I was like chills, like I had goosebumps and I'm, my mouth was probably hanging wide open. And I, I was so shocked by what he was saying and the seriousness in his face given we'd spent, you know, the rest of the evening running around being silly I was just so shocked I couldn't say anything back other than oh and he goes yeah you know in that place that starts with a T now Nate was born in Townsville but he was only three but he he knew Townsville he knew he came from Townsville and for him to say just that place that starts with a T but not know what it like the rest of the word which was obviously Toowoomba you know I thought wow that's even odd like that's adds to the strangeness of the conversation but yeah he he was adamant that he died in my tummy and I put him in a box and walked away oh my gosh what did you what, did, what were you able to respond to him I'm sure you transmitted those goosebumps to all of our audience now as well including me uh what how did you what did you say to him and then how did it go back to just playing tickles yeah, so I just remember saying, no, you didn't, no, because, you, you know, like you try to sort of downplay what kids say when it re regards death, you know? Um, yeah. So I, no, 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 you didn't, don't be silly, if, you know, if you weren't here, if you died in my tummy, you wouldn't be here, but, yeah, I, I didn't, I never probed him because um, in my head I kept thinking, you know, this is really playing into my theory that he's her and I can't prompt him because then it's not real, like this is real because um, he said this unprompted. But if I start probing or asking leading questions, it will lose its credibility. So prior to this, and he's only three years old, yeah. so he's only just getting language, but prior yeah. to this, I'm gathering, Tani, that you'd never said anything to him about the idea that he is, you know, he's carrying his sister's oh, soul. Oh, no, 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 no. No, that's absolutely yeah, 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 absolutely not. Because I also don't want him to ever feel and like grow up thinking that he's in her shadow or something. Like Nate, Nate is his own person. I just have this little special connection with him somewhere. You know what I mean? Like it's nothing yes. that I don't want him to ever grow up feeling like he's not special because I'm somehow, you know, holding the candle for his his dead sister. You know what I mean? Like so yes. yeah, I I never um I've never told him that he will never hear this podcast until he's much older and can get his head around it um, because it, it takes away the specialness of it and also, like, you know, if he then, in you know, heard this and then in a couple of weeks' time said to me, oh, yeah, remember this, I'd go, yeah, that's not even true. You know, like this is all real stuff that happened to me which is makes it more special. 
And so did he ever go on to say anything else along those lines? Yeah, so last year we I, I picked him up from school, preschool and um, we're driving to swimming lessons and we've been listening to all these songs in the car and they're singing in the back seat and out of nowhere he goes, Mum, 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 turn the, um, turn, the, turn the music down, turn the music down. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, and he was so urgent again in this interaction and, and turned the music down. And he goes, hey, mum, um, you know in mum's tummy the babies have water around them? And I said, yeah. And he goes, and you know that they use that to do practice breathing? And I'm going, oh, my gosh, what's he, where's this going? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he goes, that's how I died, mum. And I said, what? And he goes, yeah, that's how I died. I was trying to do practice breaths, but I couldn't do it, and I drowned, and that's how I died. And um, I know. <laughs> I mean, I can laugh about it now, but at the time my eyes were bulging out of my head. Um, and I said, oh, really? And he goes, yeah, yeah. And he goes, well, I, he goes, I saw it happen. And I said, oh, what do you mean? Like, like what are you sort of getting at and he goes well I was in your tummy and then I was outside of you and I watched it happen but it's okay mum um because when I died I came back to you I, I did I came back oh Tani <laughs> I can't imagine how you kept your eyes on the road <laughs> wow <was> weird <laughs> yeah and, yeah and how did you share these experiences with your husband and did they how did these you know these stories these things that Nate is telling you help you you know in your in your um, reconciling of of you know how you're feeling since your baby since losing your baby um, yeah, so I definitely told them to my husband, like probably when they jumped into the pool, I rang him and went, oh, my gosh, you'll never believe what Nate's just said. Um, he he sort of takes it with a grain of salt. I, I don't really know what his views on it are. He's not got a great deal to say. I don't know if that's like a protection thing or what. But um, my parents, um, especially like my mum and dad, they're like, wow like they're just as gobsmacked as I am about it all um and it's definitely helped me because one it made it like uh, validated my thought that she would come back to me and that she did come back in in him and it's just so comforting Nate um you know he is Nate and he's a little boy and he does boy things and that's great but I just when I hug him I know that I'm giving well I no I don't know I feel as I'm giving two people hugs if that makes any sense (laughs) Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. And I can't think of a more of, sorry, let me say that again. I absolutely love that. And I can't think of a more beautiful note to end on. But um, I can't let you go without asking you the question that I ask all of my guests on the Ghost Files. And to sum up, Tani, your heartbreaking yet hopeful story, what can an encounter with a beloved one who's passed teach us about living? I think it can teach us that love love will always win and love is so profound and it's pure and if we just live with love in our hearts then everything will be okay. Thank you so much for coming on the Ghost Files today, Tani. Thank you so much for having me. It has been a ball. Thank you for listening to The Ghost Files. I'm always thrilled to read your feedback. So if you love The Ghost Files, give us a five-star rating, leave us a review and tell a friend. Thanks so much.
It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.